Welcome back to Freedom Fridays. In this episode of Freedom Fridays, we are continuing our discussion on theological controversies. Today, building off what we talked about yesterday, we are going to talk about eternal security. Or, as some people put it, are you, once you're saved, are you always saved? Um, So, eternal security, once saved, always saved. What does the Bible say about our security? Can you lose your salvation? This topic is closely related to the previous topic of election and predestination versus free will. Uh, If our salvation is wholly a work of God, then retaining our salvation is also wholly a work of God. If we go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Can there be anybody against us as far as our salvation is concerned, as far as our um, eternal security is concerned? What can take us from the love of God, says another passage? And it talks about all of these various things. And he says, no, we're more than conquerors. Um, So it's wholly a work of God. Again, in Galatians chapter 3, in verses 2 through 9, he says, This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Again, he's saying that we began with the Spirit. It's through faith. And so then we continue by faith, not by works. You didn't earn your salvation by works. You don't continue your salvation by works. Continuing on then, in verse 5, So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Even so, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. It's about faith, not about works. Just like salvation is about faith and not like not by works, which we're going to talk about in a, in a later uh, episode of this. But... Just as salvation is, so is our security. Ephesians 2, verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Again, in verse 9, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We're saved by faith, but he says you currently are saved, not you were saved. It's a present um, 
perfect tense. You have been. You're in a present state that you have been uh, based on a previous account. So you have been saved. It's not, um, it's not past. You currently are in this. It's not, a, it's, it's not a, a past thing. You currently are saved by faith, not by works. Believers are born again into God's family, which we've seen before. Uh, John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, how are they born uh, not of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God? Again, of course, we go to John chapter 3, two chapters after this. Beginning in verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And of course, Nicodemus didn't understand that because he was thinking two physical births. Jesus makes it clear to him, no, you're born of the water and the spirit. You're born of the physical and of the spirit. And so when you're born of the spirit is when you're, sal when you're in, in your salvation. 1 Corinthians, so we are born into God's family. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. <clears throat> Again, he's saying in the future, we will be made alive. Not we might be made alive. Not we could be made alive. Maybe somehow if we attain to it, we will be made alive. But it says we will be made alive in Christ. For those of us who have Christ, we will be made alive. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. What is one of those new things? One of those new things is now we have the Spirit inside of us. Uh, the old has passed away. We are no longer bound in bondage to Satan and to sin. Romans chapter 4 and verse 11 and then down to 23 and 24. Verse 11, And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while uncircumcised, so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised, that righteousness might be credited to them. So that's kind of a confusing passage, but he's saying that our righteousness does not come from our actions, our circumcision, or any other actions. Our righteousness comes from faith in Christ, down in verses 23 and 24. Not, now, not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also, to him to whom it will be credited as those who believe in him who raised Jesus the Lord from the dead. So our faith is credited to us as righteousness as well, just like Abraham's was. True believers will persevere, um, kept by the power of God, 
Uh, those who do not persevere in the faith. Now, I'm not talking about a, a, a short time because you only know perseverance by the end date. Um, those people who don't persevere never were. And you say, well, how can you clearly say that? First John chapter 2 and verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. It's exactly what um, John is saying here, is that those who do not continue in the faith, but leave the faith outright altogether, never come back, those never were in the faith. 1 Peter 1.5 Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. See, if you may be asking, how can you authoritatively say that if somebody has left the faith that they never were in the faith? Because when you are in the faith, when you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, when you are born again, when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, it says here in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 and verse 5 that we just read, we are protected by what? By the power of God. Is God's power too little to keep you saved? Absolutely not. He has unlimited power, and we are kept by that power. In fact, let's look further at John chapter 6, verses 37 through 40. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. And so he's saying Jesus' job is to keep those the Father has given to him and to make sure they make it to the last day. If we say we can somehow not make it to the last day, we are saying that Jesus was not capable enough to keep us. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What is it that I have entrusted to him to guard? My salvation. He is able to guard that and to keep me from falling off the wagon, to keep me from even on purpose exiting because he can change my heart. And you say, well, well, what about that? What if somebody decides of their own they want to leave? Can they not leave at that point? Let's look to Jude uh, verse 24. 
Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless, with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Look intently at that. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. How is it that I know that I will never lose my salvation? I will never leave the faith because God is able to keep me from stumbling. It's not by my power I was saved. It's not by my power I am continuing to be saved. It's not by my power that I will attain to the salvation when I reach heaven in his presence. It is all by his power. Now, there are some other uh, interesting things here. If we look at God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit is in you. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. God's Spirit is in you. You say, well, he's talking about spiritual people. Uh, then you don't understand the verse, the, the um, book of 1 Corinthians, because 1 Corinthians was written to a church that was off the hook. That church was really um, going down a bad way. In fact, previously, three chapters before, in chapter 3 and verse 1, he said, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. In verse 3, for you are still fleshly. So he's talking to them as fleshly babies, and he still says the Holy Spirit is within them. And the significance of that is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, in him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. So when you got saved, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he sealed you for delivery with the Holy Spirit. That's the seal. And further on in verse 14, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. So God is pledging that you will make it by giving you the Holy Spirit with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, when we make it there, when we are redeemed completely to the praise of his glory. If somehow you were to be able to lose your salvation, God would lose his pledge or his earnest in this transaction. That is the Holy Spirit. God is never going to lose the Holy Spirit. God is never going to lose part of himself because you think that somehow you can't attain to eternal life in and of yourself. By the way, we've talked about a number of passages already that speak of eternal life. John 5, 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. Eternal life, by definition, is how long? Eternal. 
It does never end. If he gives you eternal life and you somehow can lose it, then it wasn't eternal. Think about that. It wasn't eternal if you can somehow stop it. By definition, eternal life cannot end. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Again, down in verse 36 of the same chapter, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. So, what's the big deal if some believe that you can lose your salvation? If, if you believe you can lose your salvation, that, is, that has a very low view of your salvation. If your salvation can somehow be lost, then, then Christ did not pay for all of your sin. Um, and somehow it's, it's something that's up to you. It's received by grace in that instance, but kept by works. That's a very low view of your salvation if somehow, you know, think about it. Is, is God so unjust that he is going to hold Christ accountable for your sin and then turn around and hold you accountable for your sin as well and require double payment for the same sins? Absolutely not. Um, secondly, it also has a very low view of sin because those who believe that you can lose your salvation have to believe that you can somehow attain to sinless perfection here on earth in order to keep it. Because if you could lose your salvation and you think you haven't lost your salvation, then you probably just did from pride. Because there is absolutely no way you are going to live a sinless life without trying to redefine sin and watering it down. Let's define sin as the scripture defines it. That's anything you think, anything you say, anything you do that is contrary to God's laws, to God's word, to God's scriptures. That would include lying. That would include lustful thoughts or, or uh, angry thoughts. Um, that would include um, physical violence. That would in include uh, all sorts of things that we just kind of pass over. It has a very low view of sin if you think you can somehow rate to sinless perfection. It also has a very low view of God. Taking back the gift of eternal life that he had promised and punishing us twice for our sins. Now, if God has promised us eternal life and he somehow reneges on that promise, he is no longer faithful. He is no longer uh, keeping his promise. He, he, is, he is now evil. It's a very low view of God to think that you can lose your salvation and you're thinking that he somehow cannot keep you. It says, remember, we read twice there, it says we're kept by the power of God. If we're kept by the power of God and somehow God can't keep us, that's a pretty low view of God. And then lastly, it has a very low view of Christ that his payment on the cross was somehow inadequate to cover 
over all the sins of the world. But that's exactly what John 3.16 says, that his death, burial, and resurrection was complete proof that his payment was more than sufficient to cover over all the sins of the world. That means when you come to Christ, your sins have been forgiven past, present, and future. Not just the past ones, not just the present ones, all of them. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week on Freedom Fridays. Mm -hmm.